2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I'm Patrick Daugherty here with Denny Carter in an undetermined day that happens to fall just right after Week 15 ended. That's right. So you can try to deduce what day it could be. It could be Monday. It could be Tuesday. Could be Thursday. Uh, no it's knows. not the day, Denny, that the Patriots set the NFL back 50 years. Um, <laughs> and we would not expect this from New England, but they have set. The, they continue to set the league back every week, as I wrote in my column. Mac Jones's natural state of being has become screaming. It's like right. screaming at his teammates, uh, you know, for not lining up in the right spot, screaming at his imposter offensive coordinator for not being able to get the plays in, screaming at himself for just making yep. horrific throws mm-hmm. over and over again. And it was against this backdrop that you highlighted one of the takeaways from my column because the, the, you know, the Jacoby Myers lateral heard around the world and, um, Honestly, is in the running for like the worst play in NFL history. I feel bad for Jacoby Myers, but throwing the ball directly to Chandler Jones, who was ISOed one-on-one with Mac Jones. Yeah. And then I, melted him into quicksand.
1: I mean, you know, humiliation is not really the word. It's something, <laughs> no. it's something much worse than humiliation <laughs> he Mac Jones went through.
2: Much, much deeper than that. And Jacoby Myers, you know, tr- after the game, it's like trying to explain himself, so Jacoby Myers talked to the media, which is not easy to do. After a mistake like oh, yeah. that, and it was like, yeah, he's like, I, he's like, I was just trying to make a play. And you were talking about before the show, like it's a pretty understandable mindset right now for the Patriots. Since like, like the, the coaches aren't sending in plays. I mean, almost literally aren't sending in plays and yeah. figuratively are not sending in any big plays. And, you know, clearly should have just gone down and gone to overtime, but instead makes that decision. But you found it you know, almost understandable, almost justifiable.
1: Right. Okay. So you have this offense that by design, does not gain yards and does not score points okay it's it's 30 some percent of Mac Jones's attempts uh, since he came back for, from his injury are at or behind the line of scrimmage that is an unforgivable completely Damn. absurd offensive strategy okay for for anything for anyone now I know Mac Jones is limited. I understand that and I understand that the team doesn't have a crop of, of great pass catchers. Even so, you cannot have this design. And, and they do. So what you have is Ramondre Stevenson fine, you know, breaking a long run, making play, like he does, like he did several times in that game, honestly, and deciding I want to be the hero. You know, I, I want to rescue my inept team, an inept quarterback and offensive coordinator by just ending this thing now. Let's end it. I'm tossing this thing back to Jacoby. And he's going to make a play. And Jacoby had the same mindset. Well, let's do it. We're all going to be heroes. We're going to save. Going to be things. legends. Yes, we're going to go down as the saviors of this team as we try to make the playoffs. And of course, he throws you know just a completely like horrific <laughs> pass back backward to Mac Jones, and the rest is history. And and I think it is probably the worst play in in the history of the league. But but you yeah you can't blame him. I, I think that that there was a there was a frustration that was clear there among among both Myers and and Stevenson. I don't know what he thought was going to happen because I'm pretty
2: sure Mac Jones could not he couldn't have attempted like a forward pass right mm-hmm. he hadn't attempted a forward pass yet in that play I know you can't do two forward passes on the same play but I don't think you can go like 30 yards beyond no. the line of scrimmage and then come back and do so yeah hard to say what the mindset was other than yeah. Let's be legends. Let's actually make a play. You never want to be in let's be legends mode,
1: though. No, no. And, and I mean, I, I think you 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 see it in, in other sports, too. You know, teams uh, forcing it like like in, in basketball, to a team, maybe a, a player forcing long three pointers just to just to get something going, you know, because the team isn't moving well, is not getting to the basket, is not converting, is not working, you know all these things. So they get frustrated. Players get frustrated and they try crazy things. And that's, I think that's what happened.
2: Yeah. I I was talking a lot about, you wouldn't understand this, but during the world cup, I was talking a lot about let's be a legend mode with the U S men's national team center backs, like our our last line of defense. And like, they both play in America. They play for like America. So they're not like, well, Tim Ream actually plays in England, but anytime our center backs would like start to dribble with the ball out. I'd be like, Oh no, he's going into let's be a legend mode. Right. Pass the ball. (laughs) let's not right. be legends tim ream and boy jacob myers has tried to be a legend and but like yeah. you said
1: someone's got to do something in this offense be, uh, okay. because it, it, nothing was happening you know no. and and by the way with mac jones is screaming now it, 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 the man is hoarse. It, it's, it's so much screaming it's 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 an excessive amount of screaming uh tom brady i think has earned his rights to dress down his teammates in public as, yes. as, as he does now every single week, uh, with,
2: <laughs> every single Fox. play. Yeah.
1: And just like, you know, Dan Marino was famous for just belittling and berating anybody who would make a mistake on offense. Always, always deflecting blame, blaming other people. Elway did it to an extent. So, so once you get to a, a certain status, you can go ahead and humiliate your teammates in front of a national audience. Mac Jones, I'm in my opinion, isn't there yet? I think no. I think he needs to do a little something before he throws a hissy fit every time someone makes a mistake on the field.
2: I, we much. do. One of our viewers points out that he it does seem more directed at his offensive coordinator, which also is just like indicative of how far the Patriots have fallen. Because yes. I mean, during the glory years, like if you showed up a Pat's coach, was, oh. like like you're inactive the next week, right? Um, like you are inactive. I mean the the stat you said about the like behind the line of scrimmage, that's like extra troubling because they actually have a good offensive line. Like there, there's good enough blocking for stuff to like develop, and there, maybe Mac Jones just literally can't make the throws, but like they're not even trying. And I, I don't, it is I don't. just broken. It, it's just their whole offensive operation is broken. Where Matt Patricia. Quite literally, cannot get the plays in on time, and that yeah. seems to be what is fully joker-fied Mac Jones.
1: That's right. That's right. If you can't get the plays in, okay. Now Brock Purdy, okay, the the last guy drafted in the in the draft, third string, all season, he comes in. He's able to conduct the offense in a clean, efficient way, uh, and and he can't do anything that Mac Jones can't do. I mean, they're they're similar in the way yeah, they yeah. they operate and throw. So, but but yeah, right. It's it's a a a total disaster the way that Patricia manages that offense, including getting
2: the plays in. They're always hurrying. The plays may be bad, but at least get them in. (laughs) (laughs) At least get them in. That's fine. You talk about the Patriots not trying to gain yards or score points. One team that has been gaining a lot of yards and scoring a lot of points, Denny Carter, is the thirteen and one. Philadelphia Eagles Monday we got the pretty surprising news that J- Jalen Hurts picked up a shoulder injury in Sunday's win over the I'm trying to remember who they played
1: uh, the Bears sure. the Bears
2: Chicago Bears uh, producer Adam Thomas with for the show about how his MVP odds have cratered yeah. uh, blah 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 he's not people are losing it's, 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 a, it's a troubling thing he's going to be out uh, probably at least Christmas Eve against the Dallas Cowboys. And cause you know, they're 13 and one, the Cowboys are 10 and four, like, or what are they? The Cowboys 11 and four, No, no. 10 and four, 10 and four. Yeah. 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 14 games. Um, yep. And like the, the, the Eagles could put the whole thing on ice Sunday or Saturday. So I'm sure they wish Jalen Hurts could actually play, but 13 and one, they're not going to risk it. He's almost certainly going to be out. What does the, sh- so, I mean, devastating for fantasy managers. Yeah, oh
0: God.
2: Jalen Hurts has been, <laughs> he, he, he's been printing money. I mean, he's been, <laughs> He's been he's been like early round QB like like a difference making QB right now he's out. Uh, what is the fallout for fantasy managers with Jalen Hurts suddenly on the shelf?
1: Yeah, I mean, I in in my remaining teams still alive in the playoffs, I do not have Jalen Hurts. If I did, I would have had to call in sick uh, for, for this podcast. <laughs> I, would have I wouldn't know stay. anything about being sick. Pat, uh, you're gonna have to find someone else because uh, I'm I'm out. I'm done. Here, I I have been institutionalized. And, and, you know, it's, I mean, it's tough. This is tough. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I I understand that Josh Jacobs is probably the MVP of fantasy, like, you know, considering where he was drafted and everything. I get that. But Jalen Hurts is a close second. Okay. And and Hurts was drafted in like the fourth round, 12 teams. So it's not it's not like he was a late round. It's it's not like Lamar in twenty nineteen where you can get him in the tenth round. Like you you had to, you had to invest some draft capital in Hertz, and it still paid off. So, yeah. So here here's what I think this means: uh, Minshew obviously is not going to rush nearly as much as as, as Hertz. Uh,
2: I, I actually I, I pick a bone there. I think he's going to pick up the lost carries, <laughs> lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, right. No, no. So not happening. Gardner Minshew, yeah. not a dual threat.
1: So you have you have that means uh, you know Hertz is averaging about eleven rushes per game. Um, you know, that's a lot of pass volume kind of lopped off the top there for Devante Smith and AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, of course, when he comes back, probably this week. Uh, so, you know, you get a little bit of a bump in pass volume and then, you know, Miles Sanders, if he still has the lead back job after the disaster that was week 15 and being of
2: screaming, Nick Sirianni spotted screaming at Miles Sanders.
1: Yeah. Nick Sirianni seemed uh, less than pleased with, with Sanders uh you know he he gets a bump in short yardage work including you know potentially goal line work because uh jalen hurts is third in the entire league in rushes inside the five yard line like basically when they get close there's no there's no other option it's just hey where Jalen's gonna run this one in like we're that's what we're gonna do
2: he here. has 13 and the team, rushing touchdowns
1: and, and everybody knows it and they still can't stop it so I, I do think that it, uh, it's probably good for for miles Sanders. And I think the increase in pass volume possibly could offset, you know, the efficiency difference between a Hertz and a Minshew.
2: That might, that might make sense. Another wild card is Dallas. Goddard is expected to return from injured reserve on Christmas Eve against the Dallas Cowboys. So even if there is some increased passing volume, which they probably will be, unless they like totally park the bus, like yeah. go really slow, go r- like really run heavy on the ground, which they can't, they are capable of doing. They did last year. Uh, where it wasn't just Jalen Hurts carries they had far far more running back carries last year maybe they can dust off that offense but but we probably will see a slight uptick in passing volume uh, but yeah th- it's just gonna be complicated with Dallas Goddard coming back
1: yeah well, yeah I, I I'm not downgrading uh AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith too much here uh, I mean a little bit of course but not it's really like like the, we talked about it a few weeks ago on the show the, the the for as good as the rushing quarterback is in fantasy and it's like a cheat you know they they're like cheat codes especially hurts they also are bad for pass catchers and we we see this in in a lot of ways and smith and aj brown have gotten by just fine you know because jalen hurts has been so good but hurts rushing 11 12 times a game is significant
2: yeah and it was was it was creating like frustratingly few ceiling weeks for aj brown he has rectified that in the past three weeks, where uh, even his bad game was four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. He's had two games of at least eight catches for 119 yards, 181 yards against the Chicago Bears. Yes. It was weird. I think A.J. Brown's floor goes higher, but the ceiling does come down. Um, yeah. I, think, I think the reception's floor is maybe a little higher, but I don't think we're going to – those big plays that he kind of makes like in concert with Jalen Hurts. But, yeah, you don't have to panic – about because Gardner Minshew is like a perfectly good backup. Dude. We don't basically don't have to panic about the PPR capabilities of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith with Jalen Hurts on the shelf. That's right. And yeah, you know, Miles Sanders. If
1: uh,
2: I I can barely even speak to Miles Sanders. I mean, after what happened,
1: he did he did take to Twitter to remind everybody that he hates fantasy. He, he does not he care about fantasy. He does not. I mean, and he shouldn't. But I wish he cared a little. But well, he <laughs> he well he told us this offseason, don't draft me in fantasy yeah. and. And uh, I listened per the analytics. It didn't, was very candid. It didn't about, work out for me. Yeah.
2: Uh, man, I wonder if he's been plotting this all year. Like, if he actually knew, like, when the fantasy <laughs> playoffs were. Stop.
1: And, he yeah. just, I mean, Miles Sanders has the most disdain for fantasy. He had no idea.
2: He plot- Producer Adam points out, by the way, Dallas Goddard had a huge game with Gardner Minshew yeah. last year. Uh, six catches for 105 yards and two, two tutters. By the way, we apparently have a reviewer who – does not like our use of "tutter" and Tuddy, really? not realizing that's uh, ironic.
1: Oh uh, no! Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. This yeah. person is not logged on enough.
2: No, not logged on enough. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, as they are known, apparently. <laughs> two scoring uh, plays. Two, yeah, two scores. for Gar- Dallas Goddard <laughs> last year <laughs> against uh, with, excuse me, with Mister Gardner Minshew center. Denny Tyler Algier. You wanted to talk about him. He was apparently going to be the lead before Jalen Hurts got hurt. Right. Uh, you wanted to talk about Tyler who 139 yards rushing. It was his first 100-yard game uh, of his NFL career. Yeah. This was in a start where Desmond Ritter looked uh, not ready for primetime, to put it mildly.
1: Hey. Uh,
2: so, maybe actually something to build on for Tyler Giro. Caleb Huntley suffered an ankle injury during this game. It wasn't like a huge part of the committee, but, I mean, that's four to five weekly carries that probably just became available what can we tell the folks about Tyler O'Jara yeah. for the final two weeks of the fantasy playoffs?
1: Just as an aside, uh, you know, your pass game is down quite bad when Drake London has like 70% of the receiving yards for your team. And he's barely startable. He was barely startable <laughs> against the, the saints. Yes. That, that's tough. It's but yeah, uh, real Caleb Huntley is done for the season with an ankle injury. And I know you say, wait, who? Caleb, Caleb, no one's starting Caleb, Hunt, Caleb Huntley, and that's true. That's true. No one is. But Caleb Huntley was taking, uh, you know, quite a few carries, especially early down carries, away from Algier and Cordarrelle Patterson. And what we've what we've needed and what we haven't gotten this whole season is a is a concentration, a tightening up of the distribution in the backfield of Atlanta. If we could just get that, which now we have. We might be on to something with Algier and, or I would say, and Cordero Patterson. Um, Huntley out of the picture is big. Now just for, for touchdown purposes, it's big Uh, coming into week 15. uh, Huntley and Algier both had eight rushing attempts inside the 10 yard line. Uh, Patterson had nine and Marcus Mariota had nine now. So, so that that's, that's a lot of rushing attempts inside the ten, but it's all spread out. So if if we could if we could funnel more of those to Algier, I think I think we're in business. Also, I've you know I've said this a few times in my my waiver column this year. Uh, Algier has been fantastic uh, in, in his peripheral stats and his underlying stats. His usage has not been good, you know, and that and that's that's my main complaint here. But you look at rush yards over expected per attempt. You look at yards before contact. And all, he is—he's a tough runner who who gains more yards, you know, per uh, per carry than he should. Okay, that, that's basically it. And something I was not made aware of until just a few hours ago. Pro Football Focus grades the Falcons' offensive line as the best in the entire NFL uh, in in run blocking. Really? Yeah. And really? so we we have a team that's now fourteen percent under their expected pass rate for the season. They refuse to pass no matter what. Uh, now we have Algier, I think, as a guy who could see 20 touches in a game, even, even if Patterson remains involved in the backfield. I think that's exciting.
2: Yeah, I do think the carries floor is coming up probably substantially. because The 17 carries against the Saints that were, actually were a season high. And you didn't mention like the dog. Well, you kind of mentioned the dog levels of Tyler Algier. Oh. He, he's been like dragging people. Yes, uh, he was really doing that against the Saints. Where he was like dragging tacklers. He has at least he has five carries of at least twenty plus yards this season, which is three more than Alvin Kamara. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, the back he was opposing just no explosive plays from Alvin Kamara. And yeah, it's not easy to get explosive plays like when the defense is just like camped out on the quarterback, where they just know you, you're running the ball. They ran the ball thirty nine times against yeah. the Saints. Uh, but yeah, their their line has been performing well. And yeah, with without Huntley, without Mariota. Without any semblance of passing viability from Desmond Ritter, I do think the final three weeks of the season and the final two weeks of the fantasy season, we are going to see. I think 15 carries is probably going to become like Tyler Algier's Tyler Algier's floor, mm-hmm. and he could mm-hmm. he could actually reach 20 for the first time. again, he hadn't he had more than 15 only one time all year, coming into week 15.
1: So yeah, he yeah. saw seventeen. I know. I know Patterson scored a short touchdown. So yeah, I mean, it's that like the runway is not clear for Algier to to see twenty five touches and 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 get a bunch of goal line carries. But the 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 nature of this offense makes him appealing. in, in a, on a normal team that's balanced or whatever, even pass heavy, I'm not nearly as interested. But uh, Algier being good is, is also a a a bump here for him
2: it is i also think they kind of want to cap cordero patterson's touches between like 10 and 15 per game where i don't think caleb huntley going out or marcus mariota leaving necessarily ups cordero patterson's touch floor in the way it is for algier because it seems like they've determined he can't hold up and they are correct about that yes Um, i think so he's been very unexplosive since coming back cordero patterson but by the way cordero patterson is not involved in the passing game like at all not at all (laughs) He's been off off injured reserve for six games and has eight catches in that time span.
1: Yeah, he's not running uh, many routes either.
2: Makes absolutely no sense. Like, he's not a gifted receiver, but it's like a Derrick Henry type situation. Like, why would you not be throwing this man, one of the most talented after the catch ball handlers in the entire NFL? Like, maybe you should give him some screens. Yeah, well,
1: absolutely no sense. I'm looking at the data from week 15 against the Saints, and uh, Algier actually led the backfield in pass routes. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Whoops. No, Patterson had 19 pass routes on 37 dropbacks, and Algier had 12 uh, routes. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's That's not a a bad number for Algier. That's a fairly even split. Yeah, I mean, if we could, if we could get like maybe like two catches a game from Algier, that that would be nice. That would be huge too. Uh, Now,
2: dismal news. We got some good news with Tyler Algier. We like when players are just kind of elevated and do well. The Colts. It's a different situation. And Jonathan Taylor has once again injured his ankle. His week sixteen status is uncertain, but I mean the Colts season could yeah. not be uh, deader or more door nailed than sure. it is after blowing a thirty three nothing lead against the Minnesota Vikings. Hard to see Jonathan Taylor being rushed back. I mean, if at all this season, but especially for week sixteen, Zach Moss and Deion Jackson formed a committee in his absence against the Vikings. He missed; he was injured on the opening series, so we basically got an entire game's worth of data. Uh, yeah. What say you, Denny, on the Colts' now yeah.
1: backfield committee? So, first, I want to say that Jeff Saturday is going to be inducted into the trying not to lose Hall of Man, Fame. God, which...
2: they settled for five. I even tweeted uh, – I mean, it was kind of like a ball don't lie tweet. Like, at the end of the first half when they were going for their final score, I said, Jeff, this needs to be 37 to nothing, not 33 to nothing. Like – because he was just so badly wanting these field goals. You could tell, like, he was, like, terrified, I yeah. guess, maybe justifiably of Matt Ryan, like, committing a red zone turnover. But, like, man, you can't take three points five times, and, like, you're really, really, really tempting
1: fate. So, yeah, uh, he but he said when he got the job, he came out for one of the first things he said was, look, folks, I love field goals. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not, not, you know, we, if we score a touchdown, that's fine, but I'm not focused on touch. I want field goals. And, and, and people were like, Oh, he's a, he's an anti-analytics guy. He's a tough guy, you know, tough guys love field goals. And he, he took a bunch of them. So congratulations. Anyway, back to the backfield. Uh, yeah. It looks like Zach Moss is the, the, the primary back here, lead back. He played 67% of the team snaps in Taylor's place against the Vikings. He saw 24 carries, in uh, one of the worst game plans of all time uh, <laughs> uh, while <well, laughs> we're running more pass routes than uh, backfield mate Deion Jackson but what did uh, he do with
2: those pass routes though Denny didn't, didn't,
1: um, didn't do anything didn't do it
2: zero catches on one target
1: uh, you know I wrote I wrote in my waiver column which will be out tomorrow on NBC that Deion Jackson's probably better Remember, you can't say tomorrow
2: you can't say tomorrow.
1: I meant in the next several days, or it's live on
2: Tuesday. It could, possibly, which could be today.
1: It could possibly be today. Uh, the, the Jackson is be, is better, probably than, than Moss. Probably doesn't matter because Jeff Saturday is the coach, and he'll just play whoever he wants to play. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're good or not. Uh, so I I, I I do think Dion Jackson's worth rostering, but looks like Moss is going to be the guy.
2: Yeah, they're d- both definitely worth rostering, and Deion Jackson is like more of a three-down skill set. I mean, which is kind of like overstating what Deion Jackson has, but they were willing to use him on all three downs earlier this year, yeah. once or twice. Probably, even though he ran fewer routes than Zach Moss, probably has a lot more pass catching up. So I could see, you know, it is very often you see things. Even though this was an entire game that they basically played, you see like. There's a huge difference a lot of times between the w- w- in the way players are deployed versus if something happens mid-game yes, versus yeah. when they have an entire week to game plan. And there could be a game plan this week that's like, yeah, we got to get Deion Jackson, like more targets right. in the passing game. Um, but pretty clear that Zach Moss will be. Because uh, I think when Deion Jackson was getting featured earlier this year, Zach Moss wasn't even on the team yet. He was still on the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills. Um Safe to assume Zach Moss will have the carries lead, but I wouldn't be sh- shocked if Deion Jackson kind of carved out maybe a PPR-ish type role with five or six targets.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Deion Jackson had ten catches earlier this year in a game. You know, so he he's proven he he can do that. He can serve that role, and and if he does get all, all or almost all of the pass catching work, then it really deflates Moss's uh, PPR potential. Uh, he would it would make him more touchdown dependent, obviously.
2: I think Moss in general is probably needs to be treated as like touchdown dependent, but can maybe kind of be like a poor man's Deontay Foreman almost, which you know you don't really you don't even really want to be like the rich man's Deontay Foreman. That's, uh, that's tough. But who are the Colts playing here in Week 16? Denny, yeah, they, they are playing the. Uh, oh, they're playing the Los Angeles Chargers, who do have a rather poor yeah. run defense.
1: So they, they actually have the easiest running back schedule over the next two weeks.
2: Yeah, the Chargers at the Giants, and then if you're playing in Week 18, uh, the Houston Texans, who also have a horrible, they're, horrible run
1: defense. Yes, they do. But the Giants, low key, are horrible against the run. They
2: are. Maybe Zach Moss is going to make himself some money here. Uh, well, he might have a year left on his rookie contract,
1: though. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Denny,
2: uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, returned in week uh, whatever week week 15, 15. Yep. but it was one target and five snaps. They do not have trust in the man. And now Mikel Hardman is coming yeah. off injured reserve in week 16 against the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Finally returning from his abdomen injury, just kind of I think like it's so hard to give up the dream with Kadarius Tony because it's like oh he's so talented. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, I, I think they've learned like that we can't whatever we get from Kadarius Tony is a bonus. I think what they're going to see a, a fairly large Michael Hardman role. Will it translate to any fantasy value whatsoever with all 32 teams playing?
1: I still think he's uh, Hardman's pretty a pretty thin option. He's basically he'll be the number three pass catcher in the offense. Be, well, gosh, maybe number four. But if you if you throw in McKinnon because I'm Kelsey Juju McKinnon, then Hardman. Hardman does see decent involvement uh, inside the 10. Right, so he scored four touchdowns in a four game span. Before his abdomen injury put him on IR. That sounds bad. Yeah, look it up, nerd. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and yeah, and and, you know, and most of those were short. Were short touchdowns. So he does have that going for him, which is nice. But his uh, his his route his route rate is not was not great during that four game stretch. I'm focusing on that four game stretch because he did see increased usage uh, as a pass catcher and slightly as a rusher um, in that in that span. You know. I I th- I think he's he obviously he's a better option than Justin Watson who's just out there running wind sprints every every week. He is.
2: He's a good um, sprinter
1: and dropping a fifty yard pass from Mahomes against the Texans.
2: Ooh, I actually had not heard that. Yeah.
1: Didn't yeah. You know, that. Pretty bad. Um. At, so, so I think you know he's going to be uh, an improvement over that, but. I still think probably Hardman is more of like a 14-team start than a 12-team start. Yeah,
2: it's hard to see how in a 12-team league you'd want him as your third wide receiver or like your second flex. That's um, right. Maybe but you have like an injury apocalypse. There hasn't been many injuries, knock on wood, the past two weeks. Um, you could want to play Michael Hardman, but it does seem much more like a 14-team, maybe like a 14-team dynasty league play. Even. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to want to get Mikel Hardman in there, and yeah, just we gotta, you gotta give up the ghost on
1: Kadarius Tony. It's just, Oh man, I'm, it, I'm, I'm so exhausted by the whole thing. I know uh, he's almost become like an Elon Musk, like Twitter type situation. Like enough, for I enough, just, I just don't, enough. I don't. Please, I need to clear that that space of my brain for other things. Yeah, know? yeah, I know. So. I, 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 I've, I've thought so much about Kadarius Tony over the past nine months or whatever it's been i drafted him so much pat that i and i and i cannot i cannot anymore you're asking just, me
2: you asked me to float you alone actually <laughs>
1: uh, i was hoping you had forgotten
2: yeah i know yeah, I, yeah no i yeah it was after you had had a lot of tequila at your mother
1: in <laughs> oh, party. Yeah. are you calling it in now yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah i am calling that note and um didn't want to ruin you oh um, yeah Nevertheless. Danny, the show sheet note here just says Jeff Driscoll situation. <laughs> and it is quite a situation where we needed an even worse Taysom Hill folks. And we got it. Uh, what do well, we do
1: with it? Look, look, first of all, the Jeff Driscoll situation is the name of my band. <laughs> As I it should be. That and, okay, after splitting, he split routes with Davis Mills right down the middle. 33, uh, not, not routes, snaps. <laughs> 33 snaps a piece in week 14. Didn't quite... Happen in week 15. He played uh, only 29% of the Texans week 15 snaps against Kansas City. He had uh, Driscoll had four carries for eight yards while completing two of his four passes for another eight yards. So you combine those yards, Pat, and you get 16. <laughs> <laughs> so you you had, you got that. He took a sack by the way, so we could actually drive down the net. Oh my uh, God. Well, I, I saw really that. To. I, and he, so did he forget that he could throw it at of bounds?
2: <laughs> I actually didn't – it was only a four-yard sack, apparently, so – No, but yeah. he
1: just ran – he just made a beeline for the sidelines and just ran uh, right out of bounds.
2: Speak, Desmond Ritter did that on the game-ending play for the I'm
1: Hawkins. like, you, you know that you're not actually a tight end. You can throw it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Well, and by the way, for those folks listening saying, why are you talking about Jeff Driscoll? Yeah, why are we talking about Jeff Driscoll? It's, be, it's because, first of all, I'm sick. And secondly, uh, Driscoll is tight, tight end eligible on Yahoo. He so is. you know it's that's significant. look, look, I I I know it didn't work out. I I get that. But are we like I'm playing Jeff Driscoll this week over a guy like Tyler Conklin, over a guy like um I'm trying to think here.
2: Well are you gonna play him over Darren Waller? Let's talk about let's segue this into right. Darren
1: Waller. I, I
2: yes, I think so. I think I am what did uh, and, we see and, out of Darren Waller in a return not, yeah. not to confuse not to put too many balls in the air here because I don't know if you're done talking about Jeff Driscoll but I feel like that's a pretty good line for yeah. like if if you're sick enough to play yeah. um, Jeff Driscoll
1: first of all I'll never stop talking about Darren Waller I mean <laughs> shoot, Jeff Driscoll I just I messed it up I just pulled out you my did. notes
2: you did all right we can edit
1: that out uh, no we can't but, uh, but, but sorry. <laughs> we've never edited anything out Uh, but Darren Waller, yeah, he returned finally to the Raiders lineup, ran a a, a route on 66% of Derek Carr's dropbacks. That's not very good. You know, not really what we're looking for. We're looking for something for a tight end one. You really need that to be up near 80% or more. Uh, Foster Moreau ran 44% of the routes. Waller had three targets. He, one of those ended up being a touchdown. So, you know, you, you got by if you, if you played Waller, but just barely, uh, maybe they're easing him in. You know, we we do we do see this guys missing extended time. Yeah, not Waller, played since
2: week five. Yeah,
1: yeah. Waller's been out forever. So you know, may, maybe that sixty six percent route rate will get up to that eighty percent mark. And but whatever. But really, the the issue the issue here is Devonte Adams' domination of the the Raiders' passing game. You know, this season uh, Adams has forty two percent of the team's air yards and thirty three percent of the targets. That's not changing. You know that that. He just – he's a, a, just a vacuum for air yards and targets. And so it, it makes it really tough for anyone else to really get by for fantasy, including Matt Collins, including Hunter Renfro, who barely played, um, and including Waller.
2: Well, you mentioned Matt Collins and, like, target competition. Matt Collins reached eight targets for the sixth time this season against the Patriots, and that was more than returning Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro combined – which is probably a fluke. It probably is kind of like the working them back in type situation. But I mean, they are devoted to Mac Collins. They yeah. just love the man. Yes. Yeah, so really, it, really,
1: he, really love the man. He's their Zay Jones. He, he, he's their new
2: Zay Jones. Cause remember Zay Jones was the yeah. Raiders Zay Jones before. <laughs> and like, they just can't get enough of the man. Uh, so you, you would play Jeff Driscoll over Darren Waller. Is what you're saying?
1: I think, I think so. He's I mean, Driscoll, look, Driscoll's seeing high value read option red zone touches, it, like that. That's you know that's more than you can get from a Darren Waller who's going to catch what like four passes tops. He did score problem? a touchdown.
2: Um, it's a pretty yeah. good one. They're playing yeah. the the man in a game that like in a Hall of Fame. Why does this game exist? The Raiders are playing the Steelers at eight fifteen p.m. Eastern on Christmas Eve.
1: But um, listen, who? Who cares about touch? Who, who cares about results? I, I, I'm talking about, I'm talking about process. Losers care about results. Oh, he scored a touchdown. Who cares?
2: No one cares. Uh, so, some of the viewers are asking about another player we we're going to talk about, so we might as well just bring up now. They're talking about Chig, uh, the man Chig Okonkwo, yeah. who is another going to be like on the Jeff Driscoll line. For, so first off, just give us the Chig Okonkwo breakdown heading into Week 16 because he does, he just refuses to go away. He is still catching passes. He's become a really, really important part of the Titans' yeah. offense. He's drawn at least five targets four straight weeks. He's gone mm-hmm. over thirty yards uh, seven weeks in a row, kind of forcing his way into the tight end one conversation. What is your Chig breakdown, yeah. and then have a stunning reveal if you will play Chig or Jeff Driscoll?
1: All right, I will save that reveal for for just a moment. But yeah, I mean, he the, the, you know he has fourteen uh, targets over. I'm sorry, fourteen receptions over the past three games and a pretty, a pretty solid a dot. He's leading uh, all tight ends in yards per route run over that, over that span. Wow. It's a, it's a very small sample, but you know, he's, he's being, he's being very efficient. He also saw some back, he lined up in the backfield some uh, this past week, or I think actually the past two weeks. So, you know, it's, it is, it is encouraging usage. Um, I, I would think that it continues if Traylon Burks comes back this week, uh, uh, but without Burks, Chigokonkwo is basically their wide receiver one Um, and, and uh, that's saying something for the state of the Titans, I think, but you know, it's, it is good for fantasy. Um, His, his routes are pretty stable. And uh, this week against the Texans, it's a, it's a little tough because, you know, no pass catchers really do much against the Texans because everybody just runs it. You know, to their heart's content, you know, and, and that's what that's what happens. Uh, that's what happened the last two weeks uh, against the Cowboys and Chiefs. So I, I would expect that again. But yeah, I'm starting him over Driscoll. That's what I'll say.
2: Okay, good. Thank God. Sanity prevails. Uh, <laughs> sanity pre- we we, lo- we love our late season breakouts. It's really nice to see someone who I had not heard of before the season, and Chiga Conquo, for sure, becoming a fantasy factor. We will be right back after this. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football and on the PGA Tour. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Bucks and Cardinals and our Sunday Night 7 contest. And don't forget, download the roto app app, receive breaking player news all season long, stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players in your roster, get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today.
1: I have to say, Pat, real quick, we have a viewer on Twitch who wants me to say uh, I'm going to get chiggy with it.
2: Yeah, I was going was, I was to say don't say it. And listen, yeah. I'll
1: never say I'm getting chiggy with it. Okay, you will. You will never get chiggy with it. I will never get chiggy. I just want to be clear about that.
2: Is that because of Conk Daddy brand loyalty?
1: No, no, no. That's your that's your brand.
2: Is it, who? I thought you came up with Conk Daddy, and then I kind of ran with it. What?
1: No, <laughs>
2: uh, maybe Evan Silva came up with "Conk Daddy." Oh my actually. god! I, I did. I thought it was you. Might have been an Evan Silva thing. I don't think I came up with "Conk Daddy." Now someone's saying, "Oh, Conk Daddy." Uh, <laughs> oh god! Uh, <laughs> I can't see. Maybe we actually should edit that one out. Um, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about tight ends anymore. We're here to talk about gadget players: Rashid, Shahid, Denny. Mm-hmm. Book ended. The Saints week 13 by – excuse me, their week 14 by mm. by leading the team and receiving in both week 13 and week 15. He cannot stop scoring 40-yard touchdowns. He scored a 68-yard touchdown against the Falcons on Sunday, delivered from Taysom Hill, of all people. It was the longest Saints play of the entire year. Now, he's 24-year-old undrafted rookie, so he wasn't on anyone's radar. He didn't run a 40 in the run-up to the draft season because he was returning from a torn ACL – He's old, yeah. injured, like basically the, ex- the exact profile you bet against. But he's been making splash plays consistently now for two months. He's beginning to compile a little bit. He's definitely probably more of like a dynasty league guy. But is there anything here closing out the 2022 season w- with Rashid Shahid?
1: I think, you know, he's still he's still a boom bust. And I hate to use that term because I think it's overused. But he really does fit that profile because, A, the Saints really don't want to throw it. Okay. Like they, they want to stay balanced, even run heavy if they can, which they really can't. But uh, you know, but Shaheed, you know, Shahid's running all the routes pretty much, and he's still not seeing a lot of targets. You know, if you look at his his recent uh target share, you know, he's four four targets against Falcons week before, four against the Bucks, week before that, three against the the Niners. But uh, but at least, you know, what, what you have with with Shahid is is you have a, at least a guy who can hit on one long play and deliver for you for fantasy. Whereas, you know, uh, other guys who fit this profile or something close to this profile, the low volume profile, you, you, you would need them to explode. You need them to see 10, 12 targets and, and catch a bunch of them to get there. Uh, look, if you look at Rashid Shahid's recent uh, yards per target, okay. Again, uh, against the Falcons, 24 yards per target uh 19 yards per target the week before 18 the week before that so it is all downfield stuff for Rashid Shahid and uh i so you you know what you're getting into if you're playing him this week
2: he, he sort of feels like he's going to be one of those uh, career gadget guys but it is something you have to take notice of where like this many splash plays is always notable obviously and again the targets are like kind of creeping up they're still like he's in like four or five target territory but I do think he's worth rostering in Dynasty League. I actually added him in my 14-team Dynasty League a few weeks ago. It's kind of just like a roster filler. It was like a roster spot I wasn't doing anything with. But I think in like 100% carryover Dynasty Leagues, Rashid Shahid should be 100% rostered. Just to kind of see what happens. Michael Thomas is probably done with the Saints. I mean, Chris Olave is very good, but they don't have their, – the receiver depth beyond Chris Olave is pretty lacking, actually, heading into next season. So I, I do think you should be keeping Rashid 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 Shahid around the dynasty leagues. It's a fun name to say it is uh, not a fun player to talk about, but you want to talk about apparently is Marquise Goodwin, <laughs> Tyler Lockett uncertain for Christmas day or excuse me for Christmas Eve against the Kansas city chiefs as he deals with a broken finger. This being the Seahawks, they're of course claiming like he might play actually I Pete know. Carroll's been very, very sunshiny yeah. about Tyler Lockett uh, but Marquise Goodwin been kind of seeing a surprising amount of targets all year long. You think he may be interesting on Christmas Eve?
1: I think he he may be. He's playing. Look, first of all, uh, they're playing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are the second most extreme pass funnel defense in the league. They also happen to be really terrible against the pass. So you know what what else could you ask for for a waiver wire option here? I, I'm I'm fairly excited about Marquise Goodwin. I know I work myself up into a tizzy about these things. But when you look at Lockett's role, it's called a lather into into a tizzy, into a lather, either or, you know, really, uh, I choose I, I alternate really between this, <laughs> uh, you know, L- Lockett's absence o- opens up 32 percent of Seattle's air yards, 24 percent of the team's targets. I mean, there are only 10 guys in the whole league who have more air yards than Tyler Lockett. Sure. Um, Marquise Goodwin is a is a speedster, former track star, as the announcers remind. Former him.
2: literal Olympian, as they it, like to yeah, remind.
1: the yeah, the announcers love to talk about that. I can tell you, I can confirm that. Um, and and he's done he's done okay. He's done pretty well when he gets a, a good complement of st- snaps or I'm sorry, routes against Carolina in Week 14. Goodwin caught five of six targets for 95 yards and a touchdown while running a, a route on 80 percent of the team's dropbacks uh, against the Chargers in Week Seven. Uh, he ran 75% of the routes and went for 67 yards and two touchdowns. Now, the touchdowns are fluky. I get it. But, you know, I mean, Metcalf definitely will see a bump in in, in usage and targets. I think, I think Goodwin is, is right there behind him. I also think Goodwin will see almost full-time usage in the slot because he was already running more than half of his routes from the slot, and Lockett was running about 35% of his routes from the slot. So you take him out. I think they make Goodwin the permanent slot guy. It's a good role to have in a Seattle offense that has basically just stopped trying to establish it. Like they, they have really, really leaned in to the pass. They're now fifth in pass rate over expected. Wow.
2: Yeah, Marquis Goodwin. I had a thought of Marquis Goodwin uh, that is <laughs> eluding uh, me. He is quite, quite fast, and yeah, I think he'll be he'll sneak into the top forty for sure at wide receiver. And yeah, he might even sneak into the top thirty-six. It's so much deeper now that bye weeks are over. But Marquise Goodwin, and again, we haven't had many injuries the past few weeks, so it's been hard for like people to develop on the waiver wire for options to become available. But he is a waiver wire guy who who might actually sneak into the top thirty six at receiver this week. So yeah, he's definitely worth an add. Dang it, it's not a good week for streaming quarterbacks at all. No. Uh, Mike White was probably going to be my top streamer, but now they're basically saying like he's not going to play on Thursday night against the Jaguars, which. Isn't right. I mean, the guy was like the classic, like spitting teeth, like after he got his limbs yeah. destroyed yeah. in week 14, I was surprised they act like he ever had a chance to play in week 15. Lo and behold, he did not. It seems like they're being more realistic about his week 15 status or week 16. It's so hard to keep these weeks straight. Uh, Brock Purdy facing the Washington Commanders. Is he the top streamer for week 16?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, and not based on matchup because it's it's not a good matchup. Um, although there have been some injuries in the Washington secondary that have made them a little, a little more vulnerable, uh, in recent weeks, it, Purdy is just, he's surrounded by so many good playmakers. And I know Debo's out, not going to play in this game, but you know, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, the way that the offense is designed, the offense is designed basically for the quarterback not to matter. And, and, <laughs> you know, and I don't, that's not an insult well maybe it is but but it, it, it it's what i'm saying is as long as he doesn't make a huge mistake he is and so was jimmy uh, grappolo i call him jimmy as a as a close friend uh they're they're nice floor plays they're nice floor options uh so yeah i think you can you can stream him uh, another guy you might want to look at uh is uh, oh man I, I i i missed him here um
2: you, well, I'm surprised you're not touting Minshew. To say Minshew, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, it was, you actually it was, are. Okay, so you're touting Minshew. Okay. Minshew,
1: right, right. So we we are touting, uh,
2: even though he's going to get broken in half by Micah Parsons.
1: Well, the, yeah, I, I I trust Nick Sirianni. I trust our Eagles to devise a game plan that. Nick
2: Sirianni, actually, man, you gotta. After his introduction to the NFL you know, where he basically sounded like the neighborhood dad. Yeah. Uh, he's a brilliant, uh, offensive
1: strategy. He's really? He's been really good. And, 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 you know, they, the, the Eagles are one of the few teams now without Jalen hurts, who knows, but they really attack other teams vulnerabilities. And that probably here means attacking the Cowboys on the ground. I mean, Travis Etienne had a really nice game. I think over a hundred rushing yards, uh, this this past week, and that was in a lot of negative script. Like I know that they tied it up late. Well, they, they did not
2: play the Eagles uh, this week. So no, no,
1: no. I said uh, the the Eagles attack their opponents, and and the Jags play the Cowboys. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, excuse yeah. me. I'm sorry. I was. Connect- I
2: to got you, I'm always wrong.
1: I I, I I was connecting. I was connecting twelve dots in my. I was head. admittedly confused. Um. Uh. Yeah. It That was. That was confusing. They're playing the Eagles are playing the Cowboys, folks, and yeah. I'm I'm thinking. they're gonna (laughs) run the ball quite a bit here but yeah minchu was was not was not bad last year as the starter and he has a bunch of really good pass catchers so uh what could go wrong
2: he's almost in like a brock pretty type situation where he's got an excellent supporting cast really good coaching staff and yeah they're both kind of streamers based more on like they're just like pushing the buttons like their coordinator tells them to do like basically kyle shannon's like on a walkie-talkie like telling like yeah. Uh Brock Purdy, like what PS5 button combination? So it's XXL2 yeah, right. triangle uh square. Mm-hmm. And then he's like that does two pump fakes and all of a sudden George Kittle's just wide open over the middle of the field. God, and, actually
1: you're exactly
2: right. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's not it is more more about especially the Brock Purdy, it's more about the play caller. As we know, Gardner Mintry's got a little of that old fashioned moxie to him. But Brock Prady, it's just really all about the play caller in the sporting
1: cast. Right? Yeah. I mean, look at uh, Minshew. It was uh, ta- Taylor Heineke before Taylor Heineke.
2: He was. He was, and he's he's still. I think he's better than Taylor Heineke, to be honest. Oh, I, I do too. I do. Too. Heineke has got so much moxie and. So many turn, turnover-worthy plays.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, so so many turnover-worthy plays. And by the way, uh, I'm actually really glad that Heineke stumbled on his sprint to the end zone. He he got his toe caught in the turf and and couldn't do what he wanted to do, which was to go head on with Thibodeau at the goal line. Uh, I don't think that would have gone well for Heineke. I'm yeah, there was maybe.
2: a lot going on in that play. where I think he like made the wrong read, and in the process of making the wrong read, he slipped and. Cause it seemed like he could have scored and instead he just like took a helmet to his spine. Uh, but well, it wasn't it, Tibeter, like
1: you said, but could been it could've could've have been worse. could have been worse, worse man. Could, Cause I, you know, Heineke ultra competitive dog and him guy. He was gonna, he was gonna lower his head and just say, I'm, I'm doing it. Like they, we're, we're doing this. Come on. And it yeah. would have ended up with him out for the season.
2: Yeah, Heineke's dog levels are basically like he's holding the leashes for like five different Rottweilers, and they're just like <laughs> running toward the goal line. And, I mean, that's why so many of his interceptions get dropped because like the Rottweilers are scaring
1: the DBs, right? Um, there's there's so much dog, or possibly the the passes are just that wobbly. I don't yeah.
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are. Yeah, because he does have a gift for getting interceptions dropped. Denny, another player that you wanted to talk about that. I was kind of joking, but we have to talk about it. He was the wide receiver two for week 15. KJ Osborne did so much compiling in the Vikings. Shocking comeback yeah. over the Minnesota Vikings. Naturally, people have questions about him, but is there any there or there with KJ Osborne?
1: It, you know, look, it's it's hard to say after a game like this, you know, wh- where, where people see a guy like KJ Osborne go off and say, no, 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 that's not that's not good. What you saw was not good. Um, uh, because you know, 15, 15 targets on, on, he ran 54 routes out of 61 dropbacks for Kirk cousins. Uh, but you know, play, play volume lifts all boats as uh, a presidential candidate once said, and I don't think that's true. But uh the, the, the Vikings ran Thomas 91 Dewey. Thomas Dewey said that by the way right. The Vikings ran 91 plays against the Colts. That is a lot of plays. That's more than a normal amount of plays. And so that this this sort of thing happens, you know, where you have like a tertiary target in an offense suddenly sees 10, 12, this in this case, 15 targets because the team is super pass heavy, because they're chasing points. And like you said, He compiled, but there's no data to indicate that this is, this is part of a long-term or even a short-term trend, you know, in in the Vikings offense it's Justin Jefferson. It's TJ Hawkinson, and then maybe Adam Thielen, and then maybe uh, Osborne.
2: Yeah. It was just a classic blip and the 10 games preceding week 15 in 10 straight games, he had averaged under nine yards per catch. Uh, That's like a startling lack of explosion and just pure role player usage And yeah, this was like a pop up in service of a miracle, and it worked. He's good. I mean, he's popped up several times in his career since coming to the league in 2020. But he is a role player who seems destined to remain a role player. He's yeah, I mean,
1: right. if you can project 100 offensive snaps for the Vikings every week, then he, you know, Osborne should be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, uh, exactly. So. <laughs> but if they're going to run 65 plays, things are different.
2: He doesn't have 11 touchdowns over 31 games the past two years. That is an abnormal amount of touchdowns for a role player. He loves, he loves his touchdowns. Danny, we can't get out of here without talking about Royce Freeman. And I wish it was a joke, but yeah, we actually do need to talk about him. He was the surprise leader of the Texans committee against the chiefs uh, out dueling Daria Gunbowale and (laughs) Rex Burkhead. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So Um, uh, what do we tell the people, if anything about the
1: the only thing more exciting than Jeff Driscoll is the Houston backfield. Uh, Yeah, yeah, obviously with, (laughs) with Damian Pierce down for the season, uh, Royce Freeman was activated from the practice squad and rushed 11 times for 51 yards against chiefs. He caught his lone target for five yards but it was Dare Agumba Wale who led the Houston backfield in both snaps, pass and pass routes, and he also saw eight carries himself. Rex Burkhead basically didn't play, uh, nine snaps and uh, did did not see a carry. So I guess, I guess Freeman is a very thin fantasy option who's going to need to score a touchdown. Um, he did see uh, Freeman did see the lone goal line snap and and all the short yardage work. So I guess I guess that's your your ticket with with Royce Freeman, but please don't get too excited.
2: Yeah, it's just the classic like if you've got to add a running back body to your roster, yeah. Like he gave you a reason to like at least justify like your final roster spot, but he did not give you a reason to like create any expectations. And right. yeah, if you're if you're doing if you're starting Royce Freeman in week sixteen, just be under no illusion you're doing it out of sheer, pure unadulterated desperation. Yeah, and you cannot have any meaningful expectations for especially against the Titans, who are very good against the run and very, very bad against the pass.
1: Listen, Pat, I don't want to leave the folks here without talking about one kicker.
2: We got two more. Real quick, tell us real quick about Juwan Johnson.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Four catches.
2: Yeah, sorry. Four catches, 67 (laughs) yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, uh, it's up to seven touchdowns. You know, seems to have a red zone role.
1: Yeah, lots of red red zone involvement. Uh, I'm going to be a killjoy here and say that he only ran half the routes against the Falcons, which is, nice. you know, part of a trend for him. Um, and, uh, you know, again, if touchdowns are important to you for some reason, then go ahead. Get Jawan get to be my <laughs> guest. Uh, Jawan John
2: Johnson or Jeff Driscoll?
1: But – Oh. mm I guess maybe no. You know what? I I have to stick with my guns here. I'm going Driscoll.
2: I was gonna say if you, I yeah. feel like you're not yeah. a Driscoll believer if you would play Juwan Johnson over. Yeah. So, so I Driscoll.
1: I mean Johnson has five touchdowns on his past fourteen catches. You know, I, it's uh the the nerds are telling me this is not sustainable. <laughs> uh, so Andy Dalton loves to throw to him in the red zone, and it makes sense because Juwan Johnson looks like the biggest man in the NFL. But I, I just, I still think it's a, a very iffy play because he's not, he's not out there a whole lot.
2: So Denny, we would be remiss if we got out of here without you mentioning your kicker of the, kicker of the week. We, we also have a viewer though begging that it cannot be uh, Joey Sly. He said, <laughs> no, he said it cannot be Joey Sly again. So.
1: Man, I, 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 I ran, I ran bad with Joey Sly this week. I mean, he had two, two field goals. Uh, his third was, uh, was a, was he was about to kick his third when. Something happened. Oh, they they had a replay. Oh, the Heineke fumble. That's Heineke right. Fumble. That's yeah. right. That's right. So I didn't get my third, and I had guaranteed. I I actually had guaranteed three Joey Sly field goals. Ah, oh,
2: God, it hurts. Two is pretty good, but yeah, so the bad. third the third would have been
1: nice. Yeah, it would have been. Um, yeah. So this week, this week, folks, we are playing. Listen, there's an NFL player named Riley Patterson. Oh.
2: <laughs> I do know who he is, unfortunately. He
1: kicks for the Jags. Uh, and no, no, I did not have to Google Jaguars kicker uh, before I wrote this column. Uh, but uh, Patterson is a, is a pretty good option against the Jets. Uh, New York is allowing the league's eighth most field goal attempts, you know, largely because the red zone defense has been really good. Um, Jacksonville is a one and a half point. Favorite as of today, which is which could be Monday, could be Tuesday, could be any day. Um, And so I I think that with with the Jaguars offense sort of clicking, I think you can reasonably play Patterson as a streaming option this week.
2: So everything's on the line in the fantasy semifinals. (laughs) There's games on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. And you want people you're signing up people either for infinite sadness or like instant joy by suggesting oh, yeah. a Thursday evening stream. Uh,
1: listen, if you I'm I, here's my suggestion, if you want to feel alive on Thursday night, you plug in Riley Patterson into your most important league and let it roll, baby. Let's let, let it ride.
2: Get the Christmas party started early on Thursday yeah. with Riley Patterson outdoor. Uh, in the Meadowlands, where I'm sure the weather will just be really nice.
1: Is it? I thought it was in Jacksonville.
2: No, Shoot. it's in New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are well, getting some real bad weather, uh, by the way, in the interior of this country later this week. I heard the high is five degrees in St. Louis, Missouri, on 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 Friday. So, uh,
1: yeah, I will say real quick: uh, if there's if there are high winds in New York for this Thursday night game, uh, you know we are abandoning. We're hitting eject on Riley because yeah, producer
2: Adam does say the weather is supposed to be bad in New York for what okay. it's worth.
1: Thank, thank you, Thursday. producer Adam. All right, we're off. We're off. <laughs> we're right? we're off. No, we'll see. We'll see. We're, we'll see. We're off. But you know who we are on? We're on Cade York. Look them up. Cade York, Cleveland
2: Browns. Uh, also, I mean, I'm sure the oh, the. I, I had to do a the, This says the over under for Browns Saints is th- 32 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I mean, it's outdoor in Cleveland on Christmas Eve, where I'm sure the weather will be worse than anywhere else in this great country, but oh my God. <laughs> Denny, give us a kicker in a game with a total over 40 when we reconvene for the
1: preview podcast. uh, I'm going to have to have the interns find some more kickers. Yeah,
2: the interns need to find more kickers. The interns need to tell us to end this show. We've talked long enough about our Week 16 waiver wire options and our Week 15 fallout. By the time you're listening to this, Denny's waiver wire article should be live if you are still alive and trying to advance in the fantasy semifinals. My early rankings will be live on Tuesday afternoon. We'll be podcasting in with Mr. Kyle Dvorczyk and Lawrence Jackson, where we will discuss the week's toughest rankings. For Denny Carter, I am Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later.
1: Selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too. So he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.